But uh, we have some exciting things coming up. So we have the conference that's coming up in June. You've heard about it here, but everybody watching. By the way, let's welcome everybody watching online, uh, people watching from wherever you are watching. Good to see you. Tonight? You know the furthest place? I'm no, not like I don't. A, uh, I don't. I have uh, no idea. Malaysia. Sweet. Someone from Malaysia checked it's in, so that's right cool. Now. That's totally cool. Yeah. We had right on. That's uh, fantastic. Malaysia, we had South Carolina, North Carolina, Washington, Oregon. I mean, they just, they, everyone was checking in, and it's pretty cool. We, we, they usually check in at the beginning of the stream, and we're able to see our brothers and sisters all over the world are joining you as you're worshiping the Lord through the, the worship here, and then also through the message. So it's yeah. pretty cool. <clears throat> totally cool. Excuse me, I got a frog stuck here. We're going to talk about frogs tonight in a minute. You got that picture in there? You saw the picture? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's in here. It's at the end. Uh, so, uh, but um, no, we have the conference coming up it, out in the desert, which is really cool. And I'm excited about that. So we added one more speaker because as, as at the conference, I'm speaking in El Centro, and I'm up there and giving the closing message, and I realized that I kind of forgot somebody. We forgot someone. I looked over and Dr. Hawking was over there and I was naming all of his friends that are going to be there. And I said, hey, you've got to be there. So in front of everybody. So, uh, so confirmed it with everybody. So Dr. Hawking will be there. So we have a lot of, we have, we can't add anymore. I know there's no more room, no moss, but, um, but the conference is going to be fantastic. Check it out online. Anybody watching, check it out online. Go to hopeforourtimes.com and get information. In fact, it's, uh, that's the yeah, brochure there. right there. Yeah. And and, you, know uh, what? you know who I talked to this week? No. A lady from Canada called the, the prophecy offices, and she signed up for the conference on Tuesday. So we have people that are coming from other countries for this conference yeah, to, that's, to that's Southern cool. California, and that is just amazing. That's, that's totally cool. It is. And, uh, uh, you know, the resort is fantastic. we got a great deal on that, but it's just really neat. And uh, the upcoming, we have... Um, so it was Temecula last week, uh, El Centro this past weekend, uh, coming up is Santa Barbara, and then we're up in Seattle Correct. in the Washington area. So if anybody watching, uh, if you're up in the Washington area, it's going to be myself and Olivier Melnick. And uh, so hope, this is really cool. Hope for Our Times is partnering with Chosen People Ministries. And uh, so that's totally cool to be able to link with Chosen People Ministries. I mean, that's for me, that's just like you know, off the charts kind of cool. It's so amazing to be working with our Jewish brothers and sisters that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. as their Savior, and we're able to minister alongside of them to Gentiles and to Jews. Yeah. And at that conference, we're going to have special worship also. Yeah, Lev Shalos going to be at the one up in Seattle. So for anybody watching, if you're up there in that area or can get to that area, that's March. Uh, and then also in March, we're going to be in the Indianapolis area. If you have any friends out there in Indianapolis, and all these are like Friday, Saturday. The one in actually Seattle is Saturday only. Uh, Indianapolis is Friday, Saturday. This past weekend was Friday, Saturday. You know, it's, I got to get here for Sunday. And uh, so it's a lot of flying, a lot of traveling, but it is so cool doing these things. The one in Indianapolis is with Nathan Jones and, and uh, 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 Tommy um, Ice, yep. which is huge. And um, so really neat things are coming. And then the big conference, uh, the granddaddy of malls, the one out in, here in the desert. So I've just, man, exciting things are coming. It is, and, and information for all that's on hopeforourtimes.com. You can go there and go to the events page, and you'll see all of the different conferences listed. For those that are watching, if you're not from this area here in Southern California, and you might be in the Washington area or the Indianapolis area or the Santa Barbara area, you can click on there, and you'll see the different events listed, and you can 
feel free to join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, oh, there's one more that can, that's on the books. The Caribbean. Anybody want to go on a boat? <laughs> so a, a, we a, haven't... What? A prophetic cruise. A pro, it's a prophecy <laughs> cruise in the Caribbean. It's a, there's information on hopeforourtimes.com. Yep. We really haven't promoted it much yet because we have all these other conferences before then. Uh, that Caribbean cruise is uh, it's in September. So if you're thinking, I want to go on a cruise to the Caribbean, and it's myself and four other speakers, uh, most of which you know, but I, I would... You know, hey, it's, it's out there. Again, you can go to the website and check it out. Information is there. And no, I'm not going to pay your way to go on the cruise. You've got to pay your own, pay your own bill. It's going to be great, though. Amen. amen. We have a lot coming up. Amen. But wait, there's more. So <laughs> there it is. So I, I don't think I've announced this on Sunday night, but we have two trips to Israel that are in 2019. Uh, one is in June. The other is in October. We're doing a lot of the same things on both trips, but then uh, a few different things because of the time of year. The one in June allows anybody working in the school districts to go. The one in June, we're also going to be staying at a place called Nafginasor uh, on the Galilee. It is a, uh, it's a kibbutz. It's a really cool kibbutz. It's where the Jesus boat is. And we're also going to do river rafting on that trip yeah, on the Jordan River. You, know, you get baptized in the Jordan, then go river rafting. Actually, we're going river rafting first and then the baptizing. I guess it, it, when the boat flips, we'll just automatically do it. But uh, the, the brochures are available on, uh, out there on the courtyard if you're interested. Anybody watching online, if you're interested, you can email Craig uh, at Hope for Our Times or, or myself, and we'll get you information on that. But two cool trips coming up. The one in October is a big, pretty good-sized uh, group. The one in June is a much smaller group. And uh, I'm just going to... Steve asked me how many spots do we have. I said not a lot, but I'm just going to announce it till it's full, and then that's it. Because I'm going to Israel with or without you guys. That's I'm, I'm just saying. But uh, I'll send you pictures. Maybe we'll even do a message from Israel. That would be cool, wouldn't it? And then would you guys like if we did one live from Israel? Would you come here and watch it? Because what I would have to, I'd have to be up like what? Okay, it's five o'clock here, like three in the morning, wouldn't I? I'd have to be doing a live message at three in the morning. Jet lagged. So, you ready? I'm going to not give a lot of news tonight because we don't have a lot of time because Pastor Craig and I had longer announcements. But uh, let's see, what do we have going? Google Soros fund Facebook's new fact checkers. Gee, I wonder which way this is going to go. I wonder who's going to be censored. I'm just saying, yeah, so you guys, this isn't rocket science. We can figure that one out. A Pentagon is preparing to build barriers along the southern border. Uh, you know, does that mean that Trump is going to uh, just say, hey, we have a national emergency and therefore we're going to build? We're going to wait and see. But, but as I look at these things, I'm just reminded again, talked about this many times on Sunday nights, nation versus nation, right? Jesus said in the last days, a nation will rise against nation, meaning uh, eth Greek word ethnos, get our English word ethnic, people group against people group, and we are watching this in Europe, we're watching the United States, we're watching it in Africa, all over the Mideast. It's, it's massive amounts of people group against people group, so much that continents are changing their, their, their demographics because of nation against nation. And watch what's happening in Europe, man. The riots are really breaking out there. And uh, uh, Then we have this, disgraceful UNESCO. Uh, that's the Gil UN resolution denounces Israel as occupying power in Jerusalem. So, 
I mean, that's what they're always going to do. They're anti-Semitic, they're anti-Jew, they're anti-Israel. They just want to remove uh, the Jews from the land. Listen, just real quickly, there's never been, nor will there ever be, an ancient artifact found in the city of Jerusalem that's related to Palestine. Uh, it's never going to happen. You can find Roman artifacts and all these other, uh, all these other um, artifacts, archaeologists find, from all kinds of different cultures and settlements there. You're never going to find the Palestinians because the Palestinians, uh, the, the name Palestine was invented by Hadrian in 135 AD and the Palestinian cause was invented by Yasser Arafat. Uh, but you hear in CNN reports that like it's, like it's the real deal. And I want to say this. I brought this up at the conference on uh, uh, yesterday or, or Friday night out in El Centro. But in the back of my Bible and your Bible too, there's a, there's a map that says Palestine in the time of Christ. It didn't exist. That name was, uh, was Judea or Judah. Uh, uh, and then when um, the, the name didn't become Palestine until 135 A.D., a hundred years, over a hundred years after Christ died and rose. And yet the map says Palestine at the time of Christ. So there are some things in the Bible that aren't true, and it just happens to be the map. But the word is all true. Praise the Lord. But you look at this, I cannot help but think of this map. There it is. So UNESCO says occupying power in Jerusalem. This is unlawful. And then you look, you occupying. So the Jews are the occupiers over there. The whole thing is just absolutely nuts to me. Um, and then uh, we have this. Uh, Syria says Israeli airstrikes hit warehouse at Damascus airport. Man, you hear something like this, my mind automatically goes to uh, Isaiah chapter 17 when we know Damascus will be eliminated in one night. That's prophetic. That's not what this is right now, but it's just a reminder of the volatile situation we have over in the Mideast. And I want to say this too uh, before we go on. I was talking with uh, Manny a, a little bit ago before the service started. We were talking about Israel. He's going on one of the Israel trips. And the first first time ever. It's going to be cool. And I said, you know, when you, you, I saw shown him different pictures I have in my office. And I said, you know, when you go over there, you find out almost everybody really wants to get along. And I've shown him some pictures of some Palestinians that I've met over there. And uh, one of them's a Mater D in, in, uh, at the, uh, w one of the hotels that we will be staying at, and I see him every time. He's such a wonderful man. And, and the Palestinians and the Jews and the Christians, they really, for the most part, they want to get along. But you have bad people in there, and the bad people make the news. Uh, but most people want to get along. You want to know something? Lord Jesus Christ is going to return, and he's going to bring true peace to the land. He's going to rule and reign from uh, Jerusalem. But we see these things, and we know they point to what is coming. What is coming is all of God's prophetic word is going to be fulfilled. With that, we are going here, Revelation chapter 16, and we are going to be seeing Jesus, the righteous judge, and we are going to visit Armageddon. But it's safe for us to visit Armageddon tonight, because we're here in the Bible, and Armageddon doesn't take place in the San Jacinto Hemet Valley. So we should be, we should be pretty good with that. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the time that we have tonight. We pray that you would bless it. You do great things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was working on this message, I was reminded of this sign I saw some time ago. I may have shown it here once before. I'm not sure if I ever did. But, but I love this sign as we think of God's prophetic word. Prophecy class canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. 
after Sunday, you look at that, I think that's so funny. You know, you, we have God's prophetic word, and uh, his word is never going to be canceled. His word is, is always right. Uh, we have Bible prophecy here every Sunday night. We have the big conference coming through the desert, and we want people to know that Jesus is coming. We want people to know what his word actually says about how everything is going to go down. So when we see these things begin to take place, what? We can look up because we know our redemption is near. And right now we witness all kinds of stuff happening. And when we get to chapter 16, man, look out because it is about to get bad. Uh, but before we begin, let's set the context for where we are in chapter 16 as Jesus is the righteous judge of chapter 16. In Revelation chapter 1, the book opens. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Every chapter in the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is about Him, it is to Him, it is for Him, it is for His glory. And chapter 16 is no different. And by the time chapter 16 begins, the world is already going to have been ravaged by two radical sets of judgments in the tribulation period. The seal judgments and the trumpet judgments. If you get to chapter 16, we come through the final set of judgments, the bull judgments. And chapter 16 actually has, the bull judgments actually have their introduction to us in chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 1 says this. John writing, he says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Chapter 15 lets us know that the bold judgments of chapter 16 are the end of the judgments. And each set of judgments has what? Has seven judgments within themselves, right? There were seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and here there are also a total of seven bull judgments. At last... We find out the terror and agony that is going to come upon this world. It, we get to chapter 16, it is approaching the end. Uh, although awful, the bold judgments are not evil in themselves. They are what happens when perfect goodness, the Lord, confronts evil. And the Bible is full of warning that the great tribulation is going to come. So with this understanding, let's uh, begin chapter 16. You ready? Verse 1. John writing, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. And then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. This is gross. And every living creature in the sea died. It was horrific. Absolutely horrific. And then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And then I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous 
are your judgments. So let's get going and let's start to figure out what is going on in chapter 16 as we're going to get to the place that the Bible tells us is uh, Armageddon. So let's answer some questions. The first question is simple. What is in the bowls? Uh, chapter 15 tells us what's in the bowls. Look at verse 7. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever. And then here in chapter 16, verse 1, the voice says, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God. So we know it's in these seven bowls. It is the wrath of God. Uh, remember this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, tells us, if you are a believer in Christ, you are not appointed to wrath. This is the wrath that is being spoken of, the wrath of the great tribulation, the tribulation judgments. You are not appointed to that. If you are a believer in Christ, chapter 4, verse 18, we're able to comfort one another with these words, that at the sound of the trumpet we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So we will not be suffering under the wrath of these judgments. But for those who don't know the Lord, this is a severe warning about what is coming. Second question. Uh, when will the bulls be poured out? Eventually. But with... <laughs> to see if we can get a little more specific. With the fulfillment of the seven bull judgments, chapter 15, verse 1 informs us that the wrath of God is complete. So we can tell by that that we know that by the time you get to chapter 16 and the bold judgments, we are approaching near the end of Daniel's 70th week or near the end of the tribulation period. Especially since the sixth of the seven bulls set up Armageddon, as we're going to see in just a few more minutes, which leads to the direct return of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he returns, and all of those who are with him coming from the air, he's going to be on that white horse, he's going to come to Armageddon, the valley of Megiddo, and then he's going to ride, and he's going to go all the way to Jerusalem, and he is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And at the end of the thousand years, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 2 tells us about the first set of these bold judgments. And it tells us a foul and loathsome sore is for those who receive the mark of the beast. With that, it's, it's interesting to note that the sore strike only those who have received the mark of the beast. We can speculate that God causes a physical reaction to whatever it is that uh, is implanted on men, or however we're uh, men, not we, I'm not, I don't plan on being here for the mark, but uh, however people are marked with the mark of the beast, there may be some kind of chemical reaction that happens to all those who receive the mark, because it is specific, these foul and loathsome sores, this pestilence that happens only to them. But there doesn't have to be a natural explanation, because this is the wrath of God. He's bringing it, it's going to happen, and he is going to target those who reject him. But when we think of this pestilence that is coming, I, I can't help but personally think that Jesus himself said in the last days, pestilence will increase. And we keep hearing about the increase of Ebola, and the increase of this, and the increase of that. And then I read this article by Matt Ward some time back, and he said this. I think I shared it with you a while back, but I'm shared again because it fits. And he says, modern medicine, as we all know, it is about to come to an end. 
There are some potential future scenarios that are just too dreadful to contemplate. Things that have the potential to change the world forever. Some nightmare scenarios have the ability to touch us all personally. There's one such event guaranteed to occur in the next few years which will affect each and every single person in the world directly. He says it's the end of antibiotics. Uh, the point where the, when the effectiveness of antibiotics to resistant bacteria comes to an end. And many ex medical experts are saying, look, we are witnessing that. And I'm sure you've heard it from doctors. You've read it in reports. There is a huge problem. Uh, I, I, if you get an infection now, they're saying, well, we're going to try this antibiotic. And that doesn't work. And then they give you another one. You start finding out. Some of you have been there. And you go, well, this one isn't working. This is what is happening in our country. Imagine what is happening in, in other countries. And they are saying in the next few years, guaranteed within the next 10 years, this is going to happen at the very latest. At some indefinable point in the next few years, the effectiveness of antibiotics to infection is going to end. At first, he says, it's going to be incremental. We're going to hear about it in the news. That's what we're hearing now. Our doctors are saying, you go to the hospital, they say, hey, look out, infections are spreading here. Did you hear that about the flu? They don't even want you going to the hospital. They're saying it's too problematic. We hear of MRSAs all the time and these things. At first, it's going to be incremental. You're going to hear about it. You're going to read about it. Doctors are going to report on it. And then it's going to be much worse. He says it's happening now. It will catch most people by surprise until one day we all wake up and people we know are, are dying of conditions that we once thought were just things you just go in and get treated for. And he says we're going to be back with the, because of the antibiotic problem, we're going to be back 200 years in time where we're just not going to be able to fight these diseases the way we once were. And this might sound frightening, but this also fits the biblical scenarios that are pointed out too. And quite frankly, they are frightening. Um, you, know, you look at the overuse of antibiotics and what has happened, and a lot of doctors are saying that's been the problem. It's just they're prescribed and prescribed and prescribed, which could take you down to the point of talking about the pharmaceutical companies and saying, man, this is, this is, a, this is here, here, here lies the problem. Then he says the World Health Organization has warned that, this is a quote, many infections will no longer have a cure and could kill unabated. The U.S. Centers of Disease Control has pointed to the emergence of nightmare bacteria, and the chief medical officer for England uh, has evoked parallels. She used the word the apocalypse. Interesting. This is a secular report. That this will happen is a 100% certainty. This will definitely happen. There's no equivocation anymore. Wow, you look at this, and then he goes on and he comments, this is just one more sign how close we are to the beginning of the tribulation period. We hear about the economy. We hear about technology. Uh, we know that we're being tracked all the time. Um, I heard of a city that's being developed, a community that's being developed right now. I, I think it's in Canada by one of the tech giants. I was talking with somebody the other day about it. They said they're pouring $20 billion into this to develop this community, and it's all going to be this, this everything's going to be automated. And uh, you can see pretty soon every city's going to have to go that way. But grocery stores, gas stations, pretty much everywhere you go, everything is going to be automated. Um, I also find this interesting. You look at Elon Musk and the money he has and some of the things he's doing, the launch of 20,000 satellites into the atmosphere, for, um, into space 
to be able to bring 5G, which means everybody's going to be connected. Have we talked about this on Sunday night yet? We have? Okay, I'm not going to talk anymore about it. But you look at, at the whole 5G thing and you start thinking, man, this is, uh, this is unbelievable. You're not going to be able to escape these things. So all of these are things seem to be converging uh, right uh, now. But then you start looking at viruses. A virus doesn't become bacteria or, or vice versa, but it is the nature of a virus to change. It's not Darwin's uh, evolution, but disease does change. So you have them, uh, the, the antibiotics just stop working. The wrong mutation could put the world at risk in a matter of days. An accident in a bio lab could result in the deaths of hundreds of millions. Many nations, including North Korea, are working to weaponize viruses and bacteria. But the sores of chapter 16 are, are uh, they could be the result of any of those things, but they target specifically those people who have received the mark of the beast. And then you have the, the second and third bull judgments, where the seas and the waters all turn to blood. I want to say this. <clears throat> if you watch YouTube and you see these other reports uh, from conspiracy websites and so forth, you'll see like a river, they said, the waters turn to blood, the river will be red. You see red water on the east coast. You see red water on the west coast somewhere. And people go, oh no, everything's turning to blood. Listen, that is not this. That's usually related to some algae or some bacteria. This is blood. This is the sea and the waters turning to blood. As it was in the days of, of Moses and Pharaoh, the water was turned to blood. The, what we are watching when the sea turns red, don't freak out right now. It'll, it'll be time to freak out then in chapter 16. But when you see these things now, it's just a reminder, oh, the real deal is coming. It really is going to be really, really uh, bad. But praise God again. If you know Jesus, you won't be here for these things. I'm very thankful for that. Again, this is part of the wrath of God. Good enough? Fair enough? Good, because it's going to get scarier. Number three, isn't this wrong for God to do such a thing as this? Well, I'm not in the business of telling God he's wrong. And apparently, he's not. These judgments are poured out upon the earth. Just the first three so far the loathsome sores on those who receive the mark, and then the two different water judgments, turning the water to blood, the sea to blood, and the other waters to blood. Verse 5, is this wrong for God to do this? John says, I heard the angel of the waters saying, you are righteous, God, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for, for they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So what is God's position on this? This is justice served. Justice can be hard and it can be harsh. At this point, many people will attempt to blame God. God is doing this. In fact, we'll see that in just a second. But even right now, people will read this in the book of Revelation and say that's true, then God's an evil God. You see anything go wrong and people start getting mad at God. Well, how could God allow such a thing? How could God do such a thing? In this case, why would you, God, ruin the world's drinking water? How cruel is that? 
But the angel that poured out the bowl onto the water speaks to the justice in this judgment and says, they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets and you have given them blood to drink for it is their just due. This is what you have done. Guess what? Here comes the consequences for what you have done. The angel gives the apologetic. It says in effect, here's the reason this is just. They shed the blood of the saints and the prophets and uh, it's poetic and it's fairness. Poetic justice. Notice as bad as it gets, men don't care. They refuse to repent. So people can say, I hate God, I hate God, I hate God, but they will still refuse to repent. They'll still refuse to acknowledge. They'll even know it's God bringing the judgment. They won't do anything about it. They'll just be mad at Him. Verse 8, listen, if God is so powerful that He can do these things and fulfill His word exactly as it says, don't you think you should pay attention? Because what's coming in eternity is far worse than what we're reading about right here. Because eternity is forever and ever and ever for those who don't know the Lord and, and, and go against Him. So look what they say. The fourth angel poured out his bull on the sun. And power was given him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. But they did not repent nor give him glory. You look at this. Look at this again. The fourth angel pours out his judgment. And man, the sun was hot. And men were scorched with fire. Al Gore is trying to say global warming now because things might rise like one one-thousandth of a degree over the next thousand years. This, 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 is, this is global warming. This is going to be bad. Notice, too, how they blasphemed God. They knew it was God that was doing this. They shake their fists. And they, they blasphemed God. They cursed God. You know what that proves? There's no more atheists. Did you know in the UK there was a poll done some time ago just with atheists, and one in four call out to God when they've got a trial. They admitted it privately. Here's what else I find interesting. If atheists don't believe there's no God, why do they spend so much time talking about God? They talk about God more than I talk about God, and I talk about God a lot. I mean, I find that interesting. I mean, they, don't, they say there's no Santa Claus. I don't hear them talking much about Santa Claus. Why do they talk about God so much? I believe God's just proving this point. They know there is a God, and here they know there is a God. But they refuse to repent. In fact, in the wrath of God in Revelation chapter 6, with the sixth seal judgment, the people know it is the wrath of the Lamb that is coming upon the planet. So the people got like seven years of experiencing God's wrath. And they continue to just refuse to repent over and over and over and over. If it wasn't for the miraculous intervention of God, then the whole world would cease to exist. So much so that in Matthew chapter 24, verse 22, Jesus says that the judgments needed to be shortened. But by the time you get to this point, in the book of Revelation, virtually every person on the planet would have heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the two witnesses that were pro proclaiming the gospel... You know them from Revelation 11 that were in Jerusalem? You know those two? They're still coming. 
And then you have the one angel that flies all around the world to the four corners of the earth proclaiming the gospel of God everywhere. And then you have 144,000 converted Jews are like the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine? I mean, look what one Apostle Paul did. A whole lot of the, Old Test- the New Testament. Imagine 144,000 of them. So everybody, people are going to be without an excuse. But they don't even want an excuse. They prefer to just curse God. Uh, They're blasphemy. Uh, Verse 9, they blaspheme God. They blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues, but they did not repent. It was in uh, um, James Weldon Johnson's classic poem, The Prodigal, begins, Young man, young man, your arm's too short to box with God. That is what men are doing now when they are against him. But in, the, in this time, you can see it here. I mean, this is insane when you think about it. All these things happening, they know it's God. They know it's going to get far worse, and yet they still refuse to repent. But you want to know something? The New Testament tells us that the day is coming when every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So they don't want to do it here, but the day will come when they will do it. Some will confess Jesus Christ as Lord to their eternal forgiveness and grace and, and home in heaven. And others are going to be confessing Jesus Christ as Lord to their own judgment. They would fall into that second category. Number four, what happens next? It gets worse. You ready? Verse 10, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne uh, of the beast and on his kingdom, and it became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues. That's just gross. Just that word gnawed. It hurts. They gnawed their tongues because of the pain. Ah. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and sores and did not repent of their deeds. You look at this, I, I cannot help but think of some of the things we see in, in the world right now. This is, uh, I can't remember if this is in the United States or over in Europe. A Christian teacher fired, reported to counter-terror unit after telling lesbian, God loves you. You, know, you. you hear these kind of things, right? And then we're seeing a lot more things like this. Uh, you can read that at the top of this post. Uh, we're all different on the inside, trans age, age fluid. Uh, you know, love is love, this man reaching down to this boy, a little girl next to him. And, and we're hearing this, uh, this, this uh, um, 10-year-old drag queen in New York. You hear about that the other day? And, and these things that are happening, and if you speak out and say this is bad, then the hate mail is going to come. And uh, we know because we are experiencing a whole lot of it at Hope for Our Times now. Uh, anything we say like this, and we just say this is wrong, man, look out. But this is what this is saying. They refuse to repent of their deeds. They refuse to just say this is wrong. And people are willing to be judged and sent to hell for eternity over these things. Man. Next question. Who are the kings of the East? Well, let's find out. You ready? Because we haven't even read about them yet. You ready? Verse 12. We get to the sixth bowl. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, 
out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. The Lord Jesus, verse 15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Verse 16. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. That's how they say it on the National Geographic special, Armageddon. I just, you know, I've seen it. That's how I know. <laughs> but who are the kings of these? That's a big question. Because it tells us here, uh, there's going to be kings of the east that are going to be crossing the Euphrates River. Uh, verse 12 tells us that these kings are going to be leading these armies, and the Euphrates River is going to be dried up. Now, understand this. In the Bible, the Euphrates River is the demarcation line uh, between the east and the west. And for ancient Israel, it was a natural defense against nations from the east. And uh, rivers today still slow armies, but uh, back in those days, the biblical days, they would really slow armies. But apparently, according to verse 12, the Euphrates River will dry up at a particular uh, point, and at this time, the sixth bull judgment will make it easier for the eastern armies to cross into the Holy Land. But again, uh, the, the Euphrates River is the demarcation line for the east and the west as far as the Mideast is concerned. So we have some maps. So you can see here, you can see the Euphrates, right? That's a nice big map. So if uh, the Euphrates is the demarcation line, uh, that means that the east is anything east of the Euphrates River. So the Euphrates River runs through Iraq. Here's Iraq, and you can see it coming through Iraq. Uh, Damascus is here. The Golan Heights is over here. So Israel's right over here. All right? That gives you an idea. So saying anything east, the armies of the kings of the east. Again, the Euphrates River's demarcation line. Okay, now I'm going to show you this map. Okay, I can still see this. Okay. Euphrates River on this map. Here's China way over here. The reason I bring up China, because everybody says the armies of the kings of the east are coming from China. Okay. China's way over here. Granted, the road, the Silk Road, is, you, know, you have this connection that will eventually plan to be done someday. We'll see. But um, here is Israel, right there. It's about the size of that green point, too, okay? For those of you on that side, it is right there, okay? The Euphrates River comes, like, right here. So it's east of the Euphrates. So from here over to here. It's anything east. Does that make sense? So it really doesn't need to be China. You have India would be considered part of that. Uh, yeah, oh, you have all these, right? So you start looking at that and you go, okay, and, and uh, this, uh, what I'm going to tell you has gotten some people really mad at me. Too bad, so sad, right? Uh, listen, I'm just going to tell you the way I see it. Um, with the picture you're looking at here, this is back here. This is the Valley of Megiddo, the Jezreel Valley, uh, the area of Armageddon, all right? This is Tel Megiddo, uh, Mount Megiddo, Mount uh, Armageddon, whatever you want to call it, right? But the valley's down here. Uh, this is the Tel, uh, that you go to Tel Megiddo, uh, you go to Israel, that's one of the areas a lot of people will visit. 
Um, I, I'm taking us to another area on our trips because you have a better view of the Valley of Armageddon, on the, the Valley of uh, uh, the Jezreel Valley, Valley of Megiddo. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Napoleon says the most perfect place that for there to be a massive war. And so we know this massive war is coming. The armies from the kings of the east are going to cross over a dried up, this is the key to understand what I'm going to tell you. They're going to cross over a dried up Euphrates River. Okay, now the reason many people say it's China is because Revelation chapter 9 says there's an army of 200 million soldiers is what it seems to imply to some people that are going to come and... Uh, and then they'll say they're going to come, they're going to cross over the Euphrates. And uh, China, uh, several years ago, was able to field an army of 200 million. When they hit that mark, Bible prophecy teachers, some of my mentors who have gotten mad at me about this, but it's okay, because they still know I'm right, and they're wrong. Um, because because our China had an army of 200 million, it could fit, and I think a lot of them, have gone that direction maybe it's other reasons they've gone that direction said it has to be china they have to have an army of 200 million the euphrates river um yeah this is what's going on here we know that this is what's happening um uh, that's it okay enough of that all right i want to show you something turning your bible to the left this is where the 200 million comes from to chapter 9 You're going to learn something right now. And you might not like me either after this. But that's all right. Jesus loves you and I'm trying. That's how it works. <laughs> that's so mean, isn't it? The verse 13. These are the trumpet judgments. Three sets of judgments. Seal, trumpet, bowl judgments, right? Okay, this is the trumpet judgments. Chapter 16 is the bowl judgments. Two different sets of judgments. Got that? Okay. Chapter 9, verse 13, Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Aha! Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million, and I heard the number of them. This number is exact. John's right, I heard the number, I know it's 200 million. Apparently these four angels led out this massive army from, we know from earlier in chapter 9, underneath the Euphrates River. Okay. There's 200 million of them. And thus I saw horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow. The heads and horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, and in their tails are like serpents, having heads with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent uh, of the works of their hands, that they should not uh, worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, wood, and neither can they uh, see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. You see some similarities. If the people are still refusing to repent. But um, here's where the similarity is in this, right? 
the name Euphrates. That's the only connection that there is. One's the sixth trumpet judgment, the other is the sixth bowl judgment. But uh, now I'm going to give you a little bit more to think about, all right? Now think on this. Some speculate that this, uh, many Bible prophecy teachers speculate that chapter 9 is uh, giving us some kind of imagery as John is writing about modern day um, warfare and writing about tanks or helicopters or something like that that are doing battle. Now I want you to think about this. Uh, they imagine John interpreting uh, the tanks, for example, uh, the main cannon and mounted machine guns as fire and smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. Now I want you to think of this. For this to be the case, it re would require an army not of 200 million men. It would require an army of 200 million tanks. Okay, this starts to be a problem. Today, Russia leaves the world with less than 25,000 tanks. And they are not going to be of the armies of the kings of the east. They're the north part. China, possibly, possibly a king of the east, has the second largest number of tanks in the world, less than 10,000. North Korea, another potential king of the east, has less than 4,000. Add all of the tanks of the nations east of the Euphrates, and it's obviously nowhere uh, near a million, let alone 200 million. Now get this. Getting 200 million tanks to come over a dried up Euphrates river will never happen. 200 million tanks will also not fit into the place of Armageddon or the Valley of Megiddo or the Jezreel Valley where the battle is going to take place. I've seen it. I've been there. Some of you have been there. 200 million is a lot. All right. This is just one part of the problem. Okay. But let's say it's not 200 million tanks. Let's just say it is 200 million men, troops, soldiers. That's all. Think of this. In the Gulf War of 1990 to 91, it took the U.S. six months to airlift 500,000 men and their equipment to the Gulf region. Six months. The U.S. had far better transport capability at that time than China currently has. And if China could transport 200 million troops at the rate that the U.S. did in the Gulf War, it would take China 200 years to relocate just the men from China to get across the dried up Euphrates River into the Valley of Megiddo. 200 years. This battle is going to happen fast. So you start looking at everything Listen, the, the thing that connects is just the name Euphrates. But in chapter 9, I'm absolutely convinced what you witness of 200 million, they are demons that are led up out, that are trapped beneath the Euphrates River, along with the four demonic angels. And they, have, they command an army of 200 million demons that are going to go about the earth. And people are going to be subject to their tortures and their pains and deaths from them. A third of mankind is going to die because of them. And that is a whole different set of judgments. That's in chapter 9. Chapter 16 is the bowl judgments. You start putting these things together, and you have a major logistics uh, uh, problem when you get to this being an army of 200 million men from China. Now, I know I ruined some of your Bible prophecy reading that you do, because I still read. Some of these people are my friends. They get really mad at me when we're having lunch. But I'm just, I'm, it, just, it, it just doesn't fit. 
with me. And I know I'm right. Just, I mean, I'm looking at it going, eh, they're, not, they're just not the same, right? Not even the same judgments. That alone should eliminate. However, it doesn't mean China won't be a part of it. China could be a part of it. China could be the driving part of it. But it is not going to be an army of 200 million that is going to be coming from China. That isn't going to happen. China, like I say, China could be the driving part of it. China could just be part of it. Uh, but w whatever it is, China might not even be involved with it. I don't know. But let's go to uh, the next question. I think we just have one or two more. Uh, notice verse 13 says, um, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. So what are these frogs? Um, well, that is a gross picture, isn't it? That's what Craig was referring to when he talked about the gross picture of the frogs. They're coming out of the mouth, mouth of the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the dragon who is Satan himself. Because the demons come from their mouths, they seem to represent demonically empowered words to stir up the nations, to stir up the world. Which leads us to the next question. What are the frogs doing? They are drawing the nations to Armageddon. Verse 14, uh, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So that is what their purpose is, to gather them for this great battle. Verse 16 tells us that this is the battle of that great day of God Almighty, which is in this place called, in Hebrew, Armageddon. Last question. Whose plan is this battle at Armageddon? Uh, the world leaders are going to think it's their idea to converge on Israel. Antichrist and false prophet will think it's their idea. They want to eliminate uh, Jesus and whatever else they can. Satan will think it's his plan, but they will all be following the plan of God. God's always, it's always checkmate with God. God always wins. Verse 14 says, it is the great day of God Almighty. Isaiah says, uh, Isaiah 13, wail for the day of the Lord is at hand. It's the day of the Lord, not the day of Satan, not the day of Antichrist, not the day of false prophet, not the day of Russia or China or the United States or whatever. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Behold, the day of the Lord comes cruel with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and he will destroy its sinners from it. That is radical. Let's read to the end and wrap up. Verse 17. And then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away. And the mountains were not found. Man, this is a radical earthquake. And great hail from, hell, excuse me, great hail from heaven fell upon men. Each hailstone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail since that plague was exceedingly great. Wow. And it's done. Youch. You look at this and you think, man, 
this is bad. I don't want to be here. Jesus himself said in verse 15, Behold, I am coming. It's like he takes this break right in between. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. In other words, blessed is the one who's ready. Blessed is the one who said, Oh Lord, forgive me of my sins. Because you will not be blessed. I look at this and, and I, I think of the words of uh, Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But the book of Revelation teaches us that God's will not, uh, he's, his patience isn't going to endure forever with mankind. And there's people that hear these things, say, I'll take my chances. Really? I mean, you're gonna, how, do you, how are you going to stand before God? You see, it's people, the, the further you go into this, the harder your heart gets. And the more you just you shake your fist at God, the, the madder you, people will get at God, the more angry they get at God. And the judgments come, and the judgments come, and the judgments come, and I don't want it. People will, will tell me, well, Pastor Tom, um, I'll wait until the tribulation starts, or I'll wait until I see the rapture, and then I'll believe in him. I say, listen, if you can't live for him now, what makes you think you're going to be able to live for him then? It's going to be way harder living for him then. Listen, I, I implore you, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you're not sure if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive you of your sins. He loves you. He wants you to be forgiven of your sins. And he tells us these things so we would wake up from our spiritual sleep. He tells us these things so as we watch the world going the direction it is, man, we can be ready. We can say, I see everything going exactly as the Bible says. And quite frankly, I don't want to go through this stuff. 1 Thessalonians 5, again, tells us you are not appointed to wrath if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be here for it. And that's why I preach this stuff. And if anybody's in here, you just want to make sure. You're not sure if you know the Lord, but you want to be forgiven. You want to know him. You want to know that you're going to heaven. You want to know your eternal home is heaven and it's not judgment for eternity. Then I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. Will you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your ministering. Lord, your word sometimes like this place can be frightening. And Lord, it's true too. Lord, I pray for anybody in here who isn't sure that they know for sure that they're going to heaven when they die. That, that they've been forgiven of their sin. Um, Lord, but I'd be remiss not to give them that opportunity, especially teaching a chapter like this. You want to know you're forgiven. You want to know that you're not appointed to God's wrath. You want the hope of heaven. Listen, if that's you, wherever you're sitting, go and slip up your hand where I can see it. I'm going to pray for you tonight before you go home. God bless you. I see your hand over there in the middle. You want to know you're forgiven. Go and slip up your hand where I can see it. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you. God bless you. I see your hand over there on the right down in the front. Anybody else? God bless you. I see your hand back there, all the way in the back on the left, and back there on the left, back there on the left too, way back there. Gosh, a lot of hands on the left. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Lord, I lift up these who raised their hands, and I pray for your ministering to all of them right now. I ask that they would experience your forgiveness and your hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen real carefully, all right? I know I went over a couple of minutes. That was a big message. But it's a message that wakes people up. And I saw a lot of hands go up. And here's the deal. 
uh, when Jesus called somebody to follow them, he, follow him, he called them publicly and openly. He said, man, come follow me. And I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. Jesus also said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you acknowledge me before men, he said, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. And you raised your hand and you're willing to acknowledge Christ. He says, you acknowledge me here, I'll acknowledge you there. And you are not appointed to wrath. And you want to know that you are forgiven. You don't want to doubt. You don't want to wonder. Listen, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. If you raise your hand, a lot of hands up, just stand on up and come on down here and face me, and I'm going to pray for you right now. Don't be afraid. Just stand up and come on down. Amen. pray for you who came forward and, and here's the thing this is so cool you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you you repent of your sin that's how they wouldn't repent of their sin to repent is to make a decision to turn from your sin and say yes to Jesus surrender to it amen <laughs> praise the Lord this is so cool are you guys related? That's so cool. That's awesome. These are all your kids? Praise the Lord. You know what? That is awesome. I wish I started when I was 12. Um, listen, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The prayer is asking Christ to forgive you. It's a prayer of acknowledging you're a sinner. And uh, you wouldn't be up here if you weren't thinking that already. And it's a prayer of repentance. And if you pray it and you mean it, the Lord will forgive you right now, and you can know that your eternal address is no longer hell. Your eternal address is heaven. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's cool. So I'm going to pray for you. Ready? Good. Why don't all of you are sitting down, let's stand up, and let's encourage these folks. Let's pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner, and I ask that you will forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin and my unbelief. I surrender to you as Lord. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.